0: idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening and welcome to Noxmonte. Tonight's guest is Denver Michaels. Denver is an author with a passion for cryptozoology, the paranormal, lost civilizations, and all things unexplained. At age 42, the Virginia native released his first book, People Are Seeing Something, a culmination of many years of research into the lake monster phenomenon. Since then, he has gone on to write Water Monsters South of the Border and Wild and Wonderful and Paranormal, West Virginia. His latest book, Giants, Men of Renown, will be coming out in September 2020. Denver, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, our pleasure.
2: Yeah, it's definitely an honor. Oh, my dog's welcoming you too.
0: <laughs> Confirmation.
2: <laughs> now, you two have met
3: in person, correct? No, no, I've not met in person. Uh, I was uh, <clears> on <throat> a and Gary uh, very, was. Very, uh, was I? Yeah, I, I can't remember when it was, but uh, last year sometime.
1: Yeah, I think it probably was. In
0: actually. the void.
1: For some reason, I thought it was
2: maybe like at that CryptoCon down there in the South. Y'all had
0: no
3: into one of those,
0: dude. You got to go this time if they have one this year.
1: Are we
3: allowed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Are you? We may be locked down longer than we think.
1: Not allowed to leave my house until June 10th, according to our wonderful Jesus. (laughs) We'll just see what happens yeah so-
2: we just have to take it as it comes now <laughs> you said
1: calm. day by day i mean i was supposed to do a uh, we're supposed to do a talk at a um at a conference up in pennsylvania in uh mid-april so uh, that's obviously not happening so i have not even <laughs> i've not even worked on a. <laughs> on a talk or anything everything's locked down you know
2: there it seems like everyone I'm speaking with recently, especially as creative types that and you know you're definitely in there you're a writer uh are sound similar that the, what you just said, it's like almost like we have this time to do stuff, we could get power points together, you get all this stuff, and everyone's like kind of stepped back like i'm eating too much comfort food and not really getting anything else done it's like there's a sense of the, waiting for the other shoe to
3: drop
0: it's it's almost like the lockdown has sucked away my motivation to do that kind of thing like i don't feel empowered to go be creative it's like ah
1: <laughs> that's where i'm at i mean i can't um i can't really do anything productive other than you know, like clean out my garage thing, you know, just mindless tasks like that. You know, I'll, I'll come down here in my office and um, I just don't have any motivation to do anything. And then, you know, just, you know, you're just kind of like, that's kind of numb. And then the only feelings I do have is I'll just get more pissed off or something when the, you know, when the governor goes on and doesn't an address or something like that. So yeah, about all, you know, about all I've accomplished is a lot of day drinking. You know, <laughs> <I'm
0: not laughs> the <with, I'm> <laughs> wrong with that.
2: Yeah, you know, and the thing is, this is this is what I'm hearing a lot from a lot of us. So it's it's in a sense good that we're not alone in that because this is it's so over the top and something none of us, of course, this is a world event. So whatever it is, we're all in lockdown, and so that's what's crazy because so he's like watching this unfold
1: that's yeah, it's kind of like what i was thinking like um, you know if they do send me home from my day job you know it's like oh i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do this and i'm i'm gonna get so far ahead on all these uh you know all these kind of long-term projects i've been thinking about i've not watched <laughs> <laughs> I know,
0: I know. <laughs> oh my god part of it part of it is that well for me i know that i'm i've I've almost switched back into that that obsessive news mode where I just want to watch everything I can about everything, know what's going on. Which is bad, I know, but
2: yeah, I've gone the other way. I like actually stepped away from the news I was watching before and now I'm like it's zapping me so hard of my energy that it's not feeling productive. So I tap
3: in.
1: Yeah, I've kind of felt like with um like with Twitter, I'm more active on Twitter than, you know, I, I, I I do a little bit of Facebook, but I pretty much hate Facebook. So Twitter's like the main social media thing that I do, but it's just so negative and just so, you know, it's like I spent a day, I was saying earlier, cleaning out the garage. I, I spent like a whole day, didn't check Twitter all day. And I felt great actually. So, and, um, and then, you know, another day you go on Twitter a lot and it just brings you down. So I probably do need to unplug from, from things like that.
2: Yeah, I'm finding it, it helps. Oh my goodness, it never goes off like this. I have started listening to music right away in the morning instead of, I used to check and see what was going on in the world. And it did change. It changes the timbre of my days now it's i mean it's actually helped, although it hasn't helped me with being productive <laughs> but my mood so let's let's get in here um denver so give us give us a little bit of an outline as to what your earliest memories in life are that include your relationship with nature, did you play outside a lot? did you like cartoons, which ones that kind of stuff. Just young you, early stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, when I was a kid, um, I I grew up in the country. I uh, I was born in southwestern Virginia, you know, rural rural area. And you know, as uh, I guess middle school age, I moved up to uh, northern Virginia, but still lived in a uh, in a rural area. So I've always uh, you know ran around in the woods and you know played outside and all that stuff growing up. As cartoons, I mean, I guess my favorite was like you know, Bugs Bunny, the Looney Tunes, the, you know, the stuff you could never get by with these days, you know, where Bugs would just like shoot a guy, you know, because he coughs or, or something. You know, those were like my favorite kind of cartoons, but I also really liked um, Super Friends and those kind of, I mean, I'm really dating myself here, watching Super Friends, you know, back in the day things like that. So that's kind of that's uh that, that was kind of my favorite was the Looney Tunes and the superhero cartoons.
2: It's wild to look back at the Looney Tunes especially now in this climate we live in. I mean they would never fly ever. <laughs> never.
1: <laughs> and they were so funny. Yeah, there was so much cultural appropriation going on, sexism, violence, uh you know, alcohol and- Smoking and all of that kind of stuff, you know,
3: guns.
1: Just yeah, stuff, everything. Stuff that you would just laugh at. And you, you know, like <laughs> go on YouTube now and look at an old Bug Funny cartoon, you're like, oh my God, you know, people would be getting fired and losing their jobs for showing this today. You
2: know? Oh, I know. Look at all the 70s shows. I mean, seriously, Sanford and Son and i mean and the jeffersons and stuff that stuff would never fly today
3: no i mean and you know stuff
1: you know stuff that i and, you know and to illustrate your point you know while we've been kind of locked down me and the wife have been watching um on amazon prime they put the uh that buzzer channel on the uh, old you know the old vintage 80s and 70s game shows and we like to watch those and just be like, Oh my God, look at, (laughs) look at the jokes they're telling and, you know, things like that. It's really, uh, it's really an eye opener, um, you know, compared to today's culture, um, what we grew up with or or what I grew up with. I mean, I don't, I don't know how old you are.
0: We're older than you, I think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh I'm, I'm I'm 46. So, uh, I just heard 55.
2: The Hollywood squares squares were um, looking back to amazing, so funny. People like Paul Lind and I mean, I just, there was so much funny stuff. And it's funny looking at, at that stuff retrospectively. It was way more open and free and people were laughing at themselves of all color. It was the whole period of the rainbow movement, right? Where it was like everyone was coming together and not apart. And so there was this, you know, the black community was overcoming and, um, you know, women were having a voice and it was a whole different vibe and everyone was still able to laugh and we had great comedians, Joan Rivers, Don Rickles. I mean, there was just so much more freedom of speech. Well, there
0: still is. People just are self-censoring so much because they fear the retaliation.
2: Yeah, but there's they're censored so much. There's no freedom of speech, really, because you lose you you don't you lose a platform. And so, what is that? And then people are being sued left and right.
0: Well, you can't really sue someone for free speech.
2: Do we have it anymore, Jerry? I mean, look at all the look at the Louis C.K. stuff. I mean, there's just so much stuff now where people are being taking legal action over being offended by content.
0: You can't sue someone for being offended.
3: Well, it's out there and it's happening. You have a lot of people being deplatformed.
1: Like, yeah, them.
0: that's true.
1: You're demonetized or you know, their YouTube channels, or or you know, you'll get locked up in Twitter jail or Facebook jail and can't post anything. And you know, like, well, take Alex Jones, right? Um I mean, he he doesn't have a platform. Whether you think the guys that shit crazy or you know entertain or whatever you know i mean um you know should he not be allowed to post videos anymore you know i, mean,
3: I think he should
0: it's because they let women run these companies i'm, oh, ki- I'm kidding i'm kidding
3: oh, i <laughs> <laughs> see <there's> some old much humor.
2: that's the thing though it's, it it is it is now like this lockdown it's we've essentially lost our right. And it's a sad reality, but it's a nice reminder when we get people on that can remember the world as it was at one point, even if the content seems inappropriate to, to us, it still was like an exercise in, okay, this is, this is still, there's still an idea of freedom here in speech and thought. And, um, And there was much more of a sense of uh, of folly in a way, of jest, of laughing in my, my looking back at it all. There seemed like a lot more laughing was going on than there is now. Everything's so deadpan serious all the time.
1: Well, and even back then, right, if you... If you did something or said something, and you know maybe and and maybe if generally a lot of people could see that uh, maybe this wasn't appropriate or whatever, you know there wasn't a whole you know just a whole group of people trying to do you know get you in that gotcha moment if if that makes any sense. Like now everybody's like aha, you know I have got that tweet and you know we're gonna you know, we're yes. gonna find that tweet from five years ago of that thing that you said and you know, or, or, you know, or as soon as someone becomes a, you know, I, I've seen, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big sports fan. So I, you know, I follow baseball and football and you see like uh you know, like a baseball player that was a nobody and, and tweeted something. Yeah. It was inappropriate or whatever, but you know, he was, he was actually in high school at the time, you know, goes through the minor league signs, a big league contract and is in his, you know, second year. And all of a sudden, somebody retweets that. And so, you know, he's got to come out and he's got to do the teary eyed apology and all of this stuff. And it just is
3: just so. I just hate that kind of gotcha culture. And if that makes sense. It does.
2: And there's, it, to me, that's all taken out of context too. And and it also doesn't leave room for self evolution and, per, you know, personal movement. We, we grow. We all say we learn by doing stuff and moving through things. And uh, it's like you can't make any mistakes now if you're growing up now. It's like you just can't, you can't say the wrong things. So everyone's so cinched in from beginning, from from Jump Street now. Whereas before it was looser, you know, if you just think, I mean, the whole 70s movement anyway was a looser vibe because it had been more strict. The 50s were very cinched in. So, yeah, we've lost something. And here we are. Here we are. This is where the road took us. <laughs> so back to your young childhood in <laughs> uh, Um Did you... Yes. So you had, you're down there in Virginia and nature is definitely a big part of people's lives down there. I love that area. Is, did you have a dream life at the time? Do you remember being a child that was dreaming a lot?
3: Oh
1: yeah. I mean, I was a constant, uh, constant daydreamer. And, uh, I, I guess even now, you know, it's like commuting to work, you know, I'm you know i'm driving but my head's over here <laughs> thinking of thinking of whatever but yeah i was uh i was a big-time daydreamer big-time daydreamer in school I, mean, I was a pretty good student and everything um up until i got into high school i was, i was always a, a good student but um uh, yeah i was a daydreamer and uh you know i like being outside and you know just um
3: you know just kind of pondered uh you know, kind of pondered things, (laughs) just, I was just kind of a weird kid, I guess.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously you had, you have been open enough to pursue the subject matter of your books and, um, you know, which all look fantastic and all this crypto stuff and cryptid stuff. Uh, Did you have early experiences with any of the strange back then?
1: Well, that's something that people always ask me, and there was nothing that I can really point to, um, you know, in my childhood. I just have always, for whatever reason, been open to,
3: you know, things like that. Um, I, I, I remember I was on a podcast, and the guy was like, Like, I
1: just can't believe that, you know, you would write books about this stuff that you never had an experience when you were younger that led you to it. But but I didn't. I was just always open to things. I mean, I can remember, you know, just being real into a different subject matter than my peers. I would, you know, I would check out books at the library about unusual things. I mean, I, I remember being eight years old. I don't even remember how I learned this, but, you know, we're sitting down at the dinner table with my mom and dad and, you know, my little brother and sister. And yeah, I don't know what prompted me to say it, but I was kind of like to uh, my parents. I'm like, you know, Columbus didn't, you know, didn't found America. He was not the first explorer to reach North America. And, you know, my dad's just like, oh yeah right who do you think did it then you know (laughs) (laughs) know, he he didn't really want to hear the answer by the way just like well you know lee ferrickson and the vikings and you know it's going to tell him about marco polo you know and the chinese and all this stuff but you know so i was just always kind of into all these um you know, these alternate explanations for history, if you will. I was always, um, open to the idea of, you know, um, cryptids, aliens, UFOs, just all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know why, but I was just always really into it. Um, I think maybe, um, I can, I told you earlier that, uh, I was into super friends when I was a kid. I, I remember, uh, a, a, a episode that really stuck with me, and and you know maybe it kind of like shaped me. It was the episodes called "Universe of Evil," where you know, where the Super Friends, there's like this parallel universe, and some of the bad Super Friends come into our universe, and some of the good Super Friends are in the uh, evil universe. And I mean, that really got me thinking about alternate realities and parallel universes and that sort of thing. Of course, you know, I'm. I'm just, you know, 6 or 7 years old at the time and couldn't really process what it all meant, but I just always you know was was this weird kid that you know just wondered if there was another me like in another universe doing different things than I'm doing.
2: That's the power of of daydreaming. I've always thought the daydreamers were very, I was a daydreamer had this uh this kind of ability to be open and wandering. Did you, were you brought up with any particular religion? Was it strict?
1: Oh yes. Very strict. Um, as a, as a young boy, I went to um Christian school, um, for, for a few years. Uh, we were a very strict Pentecostal, um, uh, in, uh, like one one church was Church of God, and the other was just a like a non denominational um, Holiness Pentecostal. But uh, you know, my parents um kind of drifted from it as a teenager, and we weren't practicing, you know. But that that foundation was always there. So always in the back of my mind, you know, when I would think about these things, that I was talking about. So you know, you'd always wonder. Oh no! am I going to hell now for for thinking you know for for even questioning, uh, uh, you know even asking the question about this for thinking about that um, mm-hmm. a very strict foundation you know, but at the same time you know that um that pentecostal um you know literal bible believing uh background i think kinda maybe you know made me believe in the in the spiritual the supernatural, you know, the, the demons, um, and, you know, like in the Bible, there's the, um, you know, the literal interpretation and the, the Bible's full of tales of giants and things like that. So, uh, you know, maybe in a way it kind of, um, you know, put a foundation for some of the things I write about.
0: And everything is demons. So. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I'm not like that, but you know, uh, you know, malevolent entities, whatever you want to call them. I mean, I think they're probably out there.
2: The Bible is actually fascinating. I've been reintroducing myself to it recently, and um, for, because of a line of synchronicities and there is so much dark and scary stuff in the the canon and the and that's just in in you know say like the king, king james version I'm not even talking about the apocryphal stuff and the uh what i think is juicier you know the catholic and orthodox stuff but uh yeah there's a lot of supernatural stuff going on in those books in the bible
1: yeah and i think i think being introduced to that you know in and- you know not just uh religious upbringing, but like I said I went to uh, you know in elementary school I went to these uh, Christian academies and you know like on Wednesday morning you know we had like a like a two hour you know full blown church service uh, you know like nine to eleven and you know it was um you know very strict and very literalist interpretation of the text and and also um You know, a lot, there's a real emphasis on, um, you know, on prophecy, uh, book revelations end times event. So, you know, I've always kind of had that, uh, a little bit of that doom and gloom and end time stuff, uh, kind of planted into, and, and, you know, I would tell everybody I'm not not really of that. Um, you know, I've not. I only go to church when I have to, uh, like it. Christmas time these days, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying. Yeah, to, I'm a I'm a real Bible thumper these days. I'm just saying that you know there I've got that uh background.
2: Yeah. Oh, and that's why we ask. And it's interesting though if you look at if you look at pop culture, you know, comics and sci fi, and all, you see it everywhere. These stories are just permeated everywhere, and um, and so that's what has brought me into looking at um at different books in the Bible because it's I keep seeing I'm like oh this is familiar this is familiar and then I go and I, I see here's another familiar thread and it's in in the Bible so back back there when you were young did you have any any of those classic childhood fears like something under the bed or fear of the dark the woods deep water any of that stuff
3: um i i
1: I, I did have this one experience, so yeah, things under the bed, and and I hate to admit this, my wife makes fun of me, <laughs> like like when I'm in the bathroom, right, I always, <laughs> I always pull the shower curtain back, and I'm not scared that there's something behind the shower, but it's just this weird habit I had that I picked up in childhood, I guess, when I was scared that there might be something behind the shower curtain and and you know like when i was a kid you know before bed always check under the bed and i do remember this one time and um you know it's one of those things you kind of push it in the back of your mind and don't really think about it until you start writing about these kind of weird things and you know people tell you about experiences they've had but i i just remember this one one time uh when i was a kid and we were I don't know. I guess we run a long weekend trip. We used, to, we used to go on vacation. If if you could even call it vacation, we'd go away for a couple of days. I think we were in a motel somewhere in Western North Carolina. And I swear there was something on the, you know, in the room, you know, that was like a, like a, I called it like a little green man with glowing red eyes. And, and I, Whatever I I know I was awake I know I wasn't dreaming and it's like I swear to God I saw it now I was a kid so it was probably nothing but I mean I remember it to this day like next day you know I I told my mom about it like
3: I'm like mom you know I there was this there was this green
1: man in our room last night and you know we were real you know my family was very religious back then so she's like Yeah, Yo, you know where liars go. So, you know, I just shut up and didn't, didn't say anything <laughs> about it. But you know, that, it is the, you know, one thing from my childhood that was kind of weird that I remember, but that that's really the only thing, you know, it was probably nothing, but I still do remember it.
2: How old were you then, Denver? I
1: want to say I was probably eight years old, I mean, maybe seven, but probably eight. So, I mean, you know. And I remember everything from my childhood, from from you know, four years old and up, and and even some like when I was three.
2: That's interesting, though, and that's um, you know, you're not alone in that that encounter. And there's enough people that have reported similarities in that to give it credence. Now, you may know that.
1: Well, and that's that's why I bring it up now. It's because, like I said, it's one of those things that you don't think about for like 30 some years. Right. And then somebody like, you know, like through my website stuff, You know, I mean, people email me all the time with, with their own experiences. And usually it's just like, you know, like, Hey man, you know, this happened to me and, you know, thanks for listening. Kind of thing. It's not that you know, like, Hey, you should include this in a book. You know, it's never like that. It's usually just like, you know, I, I heard you on a podcast or read your book and blah, 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 blah. This thing happened. But, um, you know, I've heard several things like that, you know, and, and almost identical. And it's like, hmm, you know, I wonder if there is maybe, you know, I'm not saying that there was literally a green man with the red eyes in my motel room, but I mean, maybe there was something to it. Do
3: you Did you say
2: what town that was?
1: I can't remember the town. I mean, I, like I said, I, I know it was in western North Carolina. <laughs> That's about it. It would have probably been in the Boone area or Asheville area. In like, mm-hmm.
2: oh, okay. I love Asheville.
1: Yeah, it would have been somewhere between Boone and Asheville.
2: Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of activity over there, and friends of ours did a whole has have done a whole series on on called Hellier which is, you know, also down in, you know, Kentucky, you probably know them. And so there's, you know, it's interesting, these stories that come out of Appalachia and uh, in the area, just down in that whole area. I have family down there too. And um, there's a lot of, lot of old school stories. And of course, as you know, there's a lot of just people from the British Isles, like Irish and Scottish and uh that brought some of these tales and mythos with them and as we know you know they they fed them because they brought the the storylines with them uh whether or not these experiences are real they appear real and they can seem real just like they did to our ancestors and i postulate that they are personally but because we've there's a collective feeding of them and we don't know you know, we really don't know. Did you, in dreams throughout your life before, I'd say in like the first half of your life, did you encounter, have you encountered strange beings in your dreamscape early on, at least the first half of your life?
1: Well, so the first half of my life, uh, yeah, up into my, uh, what I really remember is in my early 20s. Well. Yeah, in my my early twenties, I'm 46 now. So say around the time I'm probably 21, 22, I actually uh, lucid dreamed for the first time, and um, that was just kind of <laughs> that was just kind of crazy. I mean, it's like um, I just for I don't really know how to explain it. It's just like I'm in my dream, and then I realized that I was dreaming. It just sounds weird, but it's like I realized that like hey man you're you're dreaming, and oh my God, I can do whatever I want, you know, and I just kinda like took control of my, i I don't really remember the exactly the uh sequence and all that, but I just realized that I was in my dream and and I was controlling it, and um you know that happened once the for the first time in my early twenties, and that was um uh, that was pretty wild but also in my 20s i had um you know uh and this is probably around age around age 22 i think i had uh i used to have those uh sleep paralysis really bad but I also had if you've heard of those uh, the night terrors you know not just nightmares but like i remember one time it's like i woke up and i like <laughs> I like jumped off my bed, went running, <laughs> I went like running through the through the hall into my living room, did like a commando dive. And then I I, I kind of like woke up and came to my senses. I don't know what the heck scared me so bad, but I, was, I, was like, I like woke up and I'm running through the house. So I, I, I kind of, I, in my early twenties, I really had some weird stuff going on with my dreams.
2: That how much, how many experiences like this did you have with the paralysis night terrors at that time?
1: God, I mean, I, it was pretty, I can't, I can't put a number on it. It was pretty common then. And then, um, you know, later in life, like, you know, I, I, I've not, I've
3: not had any of that happen probably. In 50
1: well, I take that back. I had one probably eight years ago, but whatever. Um but back in my early 20s I was having it quite a bit. Did
2: at the time in your early 20s what was uh this is stuff I love. So what was going on in your your outer world, your day side world? Were you in college when that stuff was happening?
1: Oh, no, I was um my personal life was an absolute disaster, <laughs> It <laughs> just I I uh so like uh I got I got married when I was 18 cuz my wife was pregnant um you know we went through a divorce like a year later and yeah I just I just had a god awful personal life you know it's like you know like work was terrible and just 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 anything it was just an awful. it was just such a sad and horrible time in my life so I think that's probably why I was having all the um all the bad stuff in my dreams you know I mean the lucid dream was pretty cool but you know like the uh yeah I think that probably the sleep paralysis and stuff like that was probably uh you know just a product of all the negativity in my life back then.
3: Mhm. They
2: you know there's a lot of theory around that. There's of course that's what leads one to that uh that frequency and then but once you're in that frequency where you know you're just not having a good experience in your outer world and it's you get to sleep in that's where all like the archontic into th- all the creepy crawlies that, you know, the, you know, heavy Christians will say the demons are now that feeding off your, your energy at that time, which also can keep you down in that place as well.
1: And, and that was a real dark period in my life. And like I said, I've not, I've not had a sleep paralysis. It's probably eight years ago that I had one, but, um, you know I mean that would i I can't think that, that was really a bad time just it might have been an off day or something or whatever, but uh you know, like now it's like yeah,
3: what
2: do you recall the one you had eight years ago
1: i- I just don't really remember um well i I do remember it's like um I think the uh the deal was if I remember right, there's like a home intruder or something and you know, I was fighting like hell. I could not get up. I just couldn't move, no matter what. I'm, you know, and and and, and then like into the dream, I knew I was dreaming, right? I knew I was dreaming, and so I'm like, okay, dude, you're dreaming. You're dreaming. This is a dream. This is terrible. This is awful, but it's only a dream. So I just need you to wake yourself up, and it'll be fine. But I but I couldn't totally you know what i'm saying i couldn't like totally snap out of it and wake up either so i was just like in this just this terrible place kind of like kind of like in between dream and you know the dream's still going on but i know it's a dream but i couldn't get out of it but at the same time i couldn't move my arms and my legs for nothing it just felt like i was paralyzed so, it's awful if, if, if anybody's ever um I don't recommend sleep paralysis. That's, that's what I'll say. This is just the worst.
2: It is horrible. I agree. I, I'm, i it's never welcome in my life either. And it, every time it happens, I'm always perplexed as to how powerful it is where you really feel helpless.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, uh, I even wrote like, like in one of my books, you know, uh, Uh, the uh, West Virginia book that I wrote, know, I talked a little bit about alien abductions and how, you know, a lot of people do blame sleep paralysis for a lot of the abductions because, you know, a lot of these cases do happen in the bedroom, you know, so it does make you wonder, you know, when these, uh, when these people say that uh, these beings are taking them from their bedroom, you know, like it's, it's one thing if you're, you know, if you're driving along in a car or something and you're abducted, but all these people saying that uh, these beings came through their bedroom door and abducted them and I mean you know you don't want to you know I don't want to say that I don't believe in alien abductions but I do I have personally experienced uh, sleep paralysis and it is just abs it's the most horrifying thing you know and uh I can absolutely see how a great number of these cases could be that. I'm not saying all, but I'm saying, you know, some.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the experience is completely visceral. So, uh, yeah, I I agree. And and the numbers are high with the the bedroom, the bedroom takings. <laughs> what, so, give us an idea of how you, the dreamscape looks to you. Color? Can you read in it? Do you smell? touch, all that kind of
3: stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say my most powerful scent when I'm dreaming is smell. I mean, I can, for whatever reason, I, I've got like the smell of like my beagle <laughs> when I'm in my, I can, I, I can just smell like crazy for whatever, for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I dream in color, but also dream in black and white and, but not very often and usually when i dream in black and white it's kind of um it's kind of a scary dream usually i remember the, the first time i remember dreaming in black and white i was um uh, i think i was like 4 or 5 and um you know it's probably cuz i had just watched uh, king kong with uh, the the one with jessica lang
3: oh yeah the best <laughs>
1: there was this big monkey outside my uh bedroom window like uh it, not a monkey like like a, a giant gorilla and everything was black and white except the gorilla and it was kind of a like a its fur was kind of like a maroon color but it's uh you know like its chest was, was gray and i just thought that that was kind of weird i'd never had a dream like that since but uh that's one of those um uh, one of my weird kid dreams <laughs> I had
2: that's a that's a great example though and I love that you get both the black and white and the color what is a, on the more rare side is the sense of of smell well, in
1: that in my dreams?
2: can you give us some examples of how that plays out in a dream like if somebody eating like a strawberry and you smell the strawberry how's this work
1: well um
3: so uh, from the time I was 15 to about thirty two I, uh, I used to dip snuff, and Copenhagen was my jam. And, I mean, I dipped
1: like a, like a can and a half a day. You know, I mean, I was just, I loved stuff. But, you know, finally, finally, when I was 32, I quit. I've not touched it since.
3: But to this day, I will have a dream where I can just, like, smell It's just like smells so good.
1: <laughs> so I'll have that. But but I mean I can smell you know I'll I'll be like uh if if I'm in a dream and I'm I'm outside or something. I mean I can smell flowers. I can I you know I can smell grass. Um you know you name it. Just just any kind of smell and it's like really magnified.
3: Dream.
2: That's interesting. Are you like that in your day side life as well with the heavy scent uh factory
1: yeah um you know I sound kind of like a weirdo I guess but um like I can smell some things and it'll make me like kind of sad sometimes and then I'll be like why am I feeling sad and I'm like oh yeah well that smell reminds me of um something I smelled at my grandma's house and you know my grandma's dead and I miss being a kid (laughs) I like that
2: yeah. Oh, there's nothing weird about that. And I don't know if you can be too weird for our show. <laughs> we we do weird. <laughs> so oh, speaking of your grandmother, and uh, is she still alive?
1: No, oh, my grandma died in uh, 2000. Uh, yeah,
3: 2000. She died 20 years. So
2: with those that, may have pa- that you know that have passed, did you, were you, did you experience them, did you know they were going to dream, did you dream of them before they passed that something was going on? And, and if so, if you have those stories, I'd, I'd love to hear one. And also, if not afterwards, though, have you had relationships with your, your sacred now ancestors that have
3: passed on?
1: Had a dream like beforehand, you know, that someone died. I've always and and this is true of not just deaths, but any traumatic event in my life, uh be it divorce, be it my parents splitting up, you know, getting laid off. What happens with me, and this is what I tell people kind of jokingly, I'm half psychic. I know something's about to happen but I don't know what <laughs> <And> so <laughs> what'll happen. I'll just get in this funk this just bad. I just have a bad vibe and I can't shake. And, and no matter what, I'm like, you know, no, no, no. get, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of a believer in, you know, positive thinking and stuff. And I, I you know, I totally believe in that. And, and you know, and so I'll, no matter what I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll think positive, try to get my mind off of it. But in the back of my mind, it's like something is about to happen. And always, you know, like, like I said, you know, like a couple of weeks later, it's like, um, you know, when I'm in this funk, you know, I get laid off. Uh, you know, my grandma dies in a car accident. Um, you know, me and me and the ex-wife split up or this or that, whatever it is, you know, just, just happens. So, um, you know, I have, I kind of have like that that goes on, but I never have a dream. I mean, I've dreamed, um, I've never dreamt of like someone close to me dying or anything like that. I've I've dreamed of my own death a bunch of times, but I've never dreamed of someone close to me dying and happening.
2: Could you, give us some examples of dreaming of your own death and what that those were like
1: yeah sure like um i well god i i mean you've heard everybody's heard that like like those dreams where you're falling like if you hit the ground you know you usually wake up where you hit the ground they say oh if you hit the ground you you actually die in real life and have a heart attack well that's not true because i've actually hit the ground in my dream and then woke up so i've i've had a bunch of those like where i fell like the last one i remember like i fell like off of them um, i mean i don't know why i was like working on a building i mean i'm not an iron worker so but for whatever reason i was up on this building that was being built I fell, and I landed on my chest onto a gravel pit, and I bounced up. And as I'm like, you know, six feet of bouncing, I wake up in my bed. You know, so I've dreamed a lot about that. But like the 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 one that I remember most vividly is like I uh, I was in a car accident, and I was on a stream, and this was uh, it's like this winding road along a stream you know and it was in uh western maryland but it looked exactly like uh this stream near my grandfather's house you know but it was in what uh western maryland for whatever reason but anyway i'd i guess i'd get killed in a car accident and i was like kind of like floating around looking on my own body you know that's that's the one that i remember most vividly
2: how old were you when that happened? Do you recall the general?
1: Well, I was in
3: my, uh, probably around 30, 30. Okay, cool. What about,
2: uh, so I wanted to, that I want to go places with that line of thought, but I can't, I don't want to get too far away from this. When you're talking about how you will feel this sense of, um, This kind of precog energy, this empathic energy you have where you get in a funk and then something happens. And earlier as we were talking, when we were all agreeing, we're all kind of in a funk and you're kind of in a funk right now. Where do you, what, and rightfully so, is it the same kind of funk? What do you think that's leading to? So I guess I'm asking you to dip into your precog uh, empathic well and and give us maybe a little insight into what your thoughts are with this since you do have this history of tapping into events, at least in your personal life.
1: Well, that's the thing is like, I just, I mean, like, like, yeah, I mean, I've just got that vibe and, and it sucked because everything was going awesome in my life. and oh, So many people are saying that. I mean, it it was like, awesome, everything, awesome. And now this, and you got no control of it. So it's like, it's like one of those things. I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those people that like, um, you know, really try to figure out what's going on when I have these, these feelings, you know. I just kind of like, yeah, uh, you know, I just try to like push through it and like, ah, no, nah, man, everything's good. Everything's going to be fine but I don't know, man. I just, uh, I, I just don't like it, <laughs> whatever it is. And, but, but I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I'm mad that I feel like my liberties have been taken away or if it's like something actually bad is on the horizon. I don't know if I've just been, uh, you know, if I'm just too much of, um, you know, doomsday sayer with, uh, you know, cause I, I just feel like, um, I just feel like with everybody shutting down all the economic activity that we're in for something that's going to make the Great Depression look like just a mild downturn in the economy, you know, so I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if it's just my, uh, you know, that that bad case thinking stuff, if I'm mad or if there's something to it.
2: Yeah, there's, um, yeah. And, and, you know, as you know, you're not alone, but I, I like to hear thoughts from other people that are, you know, that have a, a history with, with being empathic and in touch with that, which you just gave us, you know, a lineage of that. So it's interesting to, to note that in lieu of all this also with, uh, with With the dead in your dreams, what kind of contact have you had with others in the dreamscape that didn't feel like yourself? you know like you're not i'm not it's not a piece of your personality right it's it's something else it's an entity, it's a spirit, it's an ancestor, it's a ghoul, whatever, but it's not you and you identify it as not
1: being you. But usually it's more like I'll see like um you know, grandparents, uh, you know, great uncles or aunts, things like that. You know like I'll give you an example. Like there's one, it's like um like a bright sunny day and there's just like all these um you know, just like all these but there's like people from my dad's side of the family and people from my mom's side of the family, people that wouldn't have necessarily mixed, you know, and we're like at this, uh, like picnic shelter, like, um, you know, like, like near an old family cemetery plot in the mountain back home. And you know, just be like all these people, but, and, and, you know, I'm there, but I'm like, but it's like, Again, kinda like the like the dream where I told you I was dead but I was like floating watching my body. It's kind of the same thing. It's like I'm like floating like behind like like I'm looking like at the back of my head, you know? And uh just kinda like watching everything. That's uh that that's kinda like how it typically goes. I I it, it's usually not like a uh like a warm and fuzzy like, oh come on, I, I love you. Yeah, it's usually it's it's not like that. It's usually more like um, like I just said, it's kind of like it's like me back here, like you know, watching
3: a silhouette of me, you know, in the group.
2: Yeah, that you explain that well. What what do you think about uh? So, in context to the structure of reality as we all kind of agree on it. So I meant to ask this earlier. I think I read Denver in your bio, Are you an architect?
3: Um but, uh, I'm an engineer and technical. It's kind of, you know, kind of like a yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's similar in there. Well it's interesting because you're clearly really right brained, but also that's a very left brain uh Career is while well, we use a lot. So you've got a lot of thinking going on in your brain. That's a, and that's a, a good thing But you are definitely very right brain from all the stuff you gave us early on daydreaming and just the empath thing and uh so it's it's interesting. I, I like people that exercise both of those hemispheres and so in context back into into the nature of reality here is we're agreeing on it in terms of dreaming. What are your ideas of the function of dreaming? Why why do you think we dream?
1: I mean, I think it's, you know, I think for some people it, it could be, you know, if you're smart enough to figure it out, you know, it would be premonition, you know, and I've, uh, I've just never, I've just never tried to develop that because I'm always kind of, kind of afraid, you know, it's like, do I really want to, do I really want to know what bad things about, because I never really get the, you know, you know, like I told you, I go on a phone and I know something bad's about to happen. Well, I never really go into a, you know, into, oh uh, and then something great you know, like, I mean, great things happen, but, you know, you don't I don't really get the premonitions of the great things happening. So I've never really tried to develop. But I think for a lot of people, you know, um you know, premonitions and, and dreaming could be a big thing. And a lot of other things. I mean, I think there's a you know, there's a lot of messages there. Like uh, you know, a lot of times you can you can dream something and, you know, like the next morning if you can remember, you know, your dream. You know, you can kind of look back and okay, yeah, I dreamed this and I dreamed, and that's kind of weird. That's probably from the TV show I was watching before
3: bed, but that,
1: oh, yeah, that's probably, yeah, my daughter's coming home and, you know, I'm kind of excited about that or this, you know, you know, things like that. So, um, I mean, they definitely have a purpose if you pay attention.
2: Do you think they can be a portal, though, so like you're mentioning you know not really digging too deep into the development of the premonitions or of the the psychical you know senses uh further, which I think you're naturally gifted with clearly you you came in with that gift, and I'm not surprised from knowing the appalachia area. <laughs> Y'all have some sense over there. And uh is there is there do you see yourself at any point pushing through the idea of of allowing yourself the freedom to push further? What is your fear of pushing into that? And and can dreams be a portal to other worlds? So in in that, I know they kind of sound like Different questions, but they're kind of the same.
3: No, I mean I think
1: dreams definitely could be you know, like a portal into uh, other worlds. Um, you know, helping you develop gifts. You know, things like like you're saying. I guess my fear is, um and you know it, it just might be my old religious background and stuff. But um, you know, like uh, like lucid dreaming. For instance like or or like um oh, okay i'll give you I'll, I'll give you an example something i read about like um you know when i was in middle school i read about astral project I, I checked out some of these weird books at the library and i'm like you know so i really you know read about it and read about it and i tried to do it never could make it happen but then i'm Later on in life, I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't make that happen. Like, you know, like, what if I would have got stuck or something? I guess it's you know, like with with these dreams and stuff. I guess it's just the, I guess it's just the fear that like, okay, what if I do develop some kind of gift or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Maybe don't call it a gift, but um, a skill, whatever. You know, what if you do develop it? You know, that's, that's, there's responsibility with that. That's like a whole, you know, like this whole paradigm shift in your own world that you got to start thinking about. If that makes any sense.
2: Oh, absolutely. It it and it, it also says a lot about your character, how uh, conscientious you are. It's a good thing. Wait, so what are what are your thoughts on are you afraid of death?
3: I I don't think I'm afraid of death really. I mean, I don't um
1: it's it's not something I think about a lot and um uh yeah, I'm not saying it you know, like I'm okay to just die tomorrow. You know, I'm not saying that, but it's <laughs> not something I really think about. I don't, uh, I'm not worried one little bit about catching the coronavirus. Well, if I, if I catch it and I die, I just figure it's my time. I, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of fatalistic like that. It's like, I think that, uh, you know, we all kind of like have an appointed time that we're going to die and. You know, if it's my day to die, you know, I could stay home all day and I'm gonna slip in the bathtub and break my neck. You know, I just I'm I'm kinda fatalistic like that. So I don't really um I don't really fear doing what I wanna do or things like that. Um so I'm not really afraid of death, but what I'm afraid of is not I guess not accomplishing what I wanna accomplish, uh, you know, doing the things I wanna do before I die is it, it it consumes me a lot more than, you know, being afraid of actually dying, you know,
3: so.
2: You've done a lot and you've accomplished a lot already. So if I could put this out there, what, what do you still have on your agenda that you, you really feel pulled towards, if you don't mind sharing, pulled towards that keeps you tethered to this reality that you want to accomplish?
1: Well, I mean, if I don't, Easter Island before I die I will have failed awesome yes but I've told my wife I'm like if I die before I see Easter Island I've failed period so but at the same time I'm not really making any active you know it's expensive to get there and there's other things that are more attainable in the meantime you know travel there's a lot of places I want to travel to a lot of lot of things that i want to see you know it, it's more things like that it's not you know making x amount of money or doing this or doing that i, I don't care about stuff like that it's more you know experiencing things like that
3: yeah again this you
2: know this says a lot about your character yeah, um
0: don't you want to ever go to antarctica
3: <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Antarctica, but that is weird. Yeah, it's like what fifty grand. Yeah, I mean you could get there for twenty grand, I think, but
1: twenty grand is a pretty good piece of money.
0: <laughs> you know, that's where all the giants could be hiding out.
1: It could be, yeah, a big pyramid down there with an alien base
3: underneath, and who knows?
0: By alien, do we mean Nazis?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's alien. Yeah. That's <laughs> a good way to put it.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: They're
1: alien well, to us. That's all that matters.
2: They, yes, <laughs> this, all these different differences, and yet there's so many similarities. H- how does the cryptid stuff in your life play out? So you've got these two worlds, and they're quite different, right? Isn't your your prof- your your dayside profession is quite different from you know this whole other side of you that's exploring cryptids and all this wild fanciful stuff and writing great books. How do you find where's the medium ground here? And how does like how does your wife, you know, how does this tie into your life? How does this weave your the two sides of your life together?
1: Well it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a it's a juggling act, it really is, because, you know, my wife is I mean, she's my number one fan, very supportive. But at the same time, she couldn't give a rat's ass about Bigfoot or you know, like anything like that. But at this also at the same time, she's extremely gifted, um, you know, as far as like um she she just has had tremendous number of like paranormal experiences uh things with ghosts and um you know like she'll humor me kind of and go to like uh, places that are supposedly haunted and she's got a real knack for um you know picking up on things and things happening but she doesn't care about that stuff like i do um you know so you know she's supportive And, um, you know, for me, I just have to kind of do the juggling act between, you know, what I love to do and what I have to do that pays the bill. You know, it's like uh, really all I care about is the stuff I write about, things like that. But, you know, you kind of got to do the nine to five to keep the bills paid and, you know, send those tuition checks for my kids, you know, James Madison and uh, Virginia Tech.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a balancing act and it's good. You can do it as well. You know, that that's kind of like having your cake and eating it too, in a way. Uh, So, so with, with your modern day dreams and the way they play out, how, how do you experience the dreamscape these days? So let's talk about pre- the world locked down before this coronavirus stuff,
3: because everyone's having crazy dreams now well before that I mean um I can't really say you know my dreams have been pretty i guess
1: i would say pretty normal up until the lockdown. um I told you I think it was probably eight years ago it might might have been like seven years ago or whatever. I did have, a, you know, one of those sleep paralysis episodes and, you know, I probably had one, you know, like a year or two before that, but I had, you know, I hadn't had anything like that. Um, you know, they were just, I, I can't say that they were really, um, I can't say a whole lot about them really, you know I mean? I, I you know, I would have the occasional dream, you know, like about, uh, uh, deceased loved ones um you know like we talked about earlier kind of like that i hadn't dreamed of myself dying during that time i um i did have a lucid dream no um, I, I do remember during um let's say over the last maybe i'll say like five years ago i did have a lucid dream where you know i realized i was dreaming and actually had a lot of fun with it I was like, uh, I was like flying and stuff like that, and and you know, just kind of in control of everything. I mean, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't turn into a dictator and control the world, nothing like that. Just kind of like, you know, just kind of like flying around and, you know, just kind of doing backflips and in the air. You know, just kind of, just kind of like, ooh, I'm dreaming and I know it and I'm in control. You know, just, just kind of like
3: that
2: when you fly how do you fly
1: uh like every way like i'll do like the superman for a while and i'll do a backflip and then i'll just fly like vertically and you know just kind of however i want it's just, just i guess just whatever hits me it's Kind of stupid.
2: <laughs> i love that well flying is so i personally still just get so excited about that whole i you know when you're doing it it's so fun it's something really rewarding
1: it's just like it's. I don't know. I guess it's like the first thing is I realize like, wait a minute, I'm dreaming, and I know I'm dreaming. I'm gonna fly, you know. And then I just start like doing <laughs> myself,
3: <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> and then you realize you can just pop in anywhere. But the flying is so fun. I just enjoy the the whole idea of it because you're starting to defy our physics here and that and that just deepens the experience of being in in an altered state of consciousness. And then it kind of feeds upon itself.
3: Yeah, that's the
1: main thing that uh, that I can always remember in those dreams.
3: You know, it's like that's just awesome.
2: <laughs> Have you ever had an a near death experience or anything like that?
1: Um I almost, um, I, I, I don't think I ever had an, had a near, near death experience, but, uh, when I was, um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to remember how old I
3: was. I think I was six, five, six, seven times, but I think I was, I think I was six. And again, this was in,
1: uh, <laughs> this was in a motel in Western North Carolina also like, um, I was, I was swimming in the pool, you know, my mom was, um, I had those little stupid arm floats on, you know, and I figured I could swim and my mom was over on one of those chairs, like reading a book and I'm like, I don't need these things, you know, so I pulled my arm floats off and I dove in the pool and I was drowning and I like almost drowned. I'm I'm diving up to my mom like, help, help. And, 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 you know, she couldn't hear me or whatever. I guess I wouldn't break in the surface enough. And I just remember like, you know, my last one that I had, you know, I like, help, and then I just like, finally, I'm like sinking to the bottom and saw my mom, you know, like dive in the water. And like, I guess the motel manager come and dove in the water and they like got me out or whatever. And I don't think I was, like, dead, dead. I don't think they had a like,
3: pump, dead. You were nearly dead. Mostly dead. It was <laughs> pretty damn close. It was still closer than I would have preferred.
2: Were you conscious, though? Like, like, um, were you there when, do you remember being pulled out? Like, did you have any observation of it at all?
1: I kind of, like, see everything. And I don't know that if it was, like like me above seeing, or if it was me seeing, but I, I I remember, I remember specifically it was a motel manager and I thought I saw him come like running from the motel office, which like was, I guess like back on the corner, like, like near the pool, you know what I mean? And like my mom was over, like if we're sitting here over to my right. So for me to see him come running, you know, I was probably out of my body. You know, if you think about it, because I was like, you know, sinking down in the pool.
2: Yeah, that's definitely what I think happened. When so during the process of drowning, did it? What did it feel like? Did it hurt? Was what was the sensation of it?
1: I mean, at first it hurt, you know, because your lungs and and everything's filling up with that chlorine and stuff. But it it did after that it didn't really hurt it's just like i guess i was old enough that i knew that you know like like dude (laughs) you're gonna die so i start it it was more like fear i guess than anything but then just like at the last minute you know it's like when i when i kind of figured like all right i've got no more strength left and nobody's coming to get me you know i just kind of like just like "Mm."
3: Yeah, you know, it's kind of like
1: you fell into the
2: experience. I
3: guess if that, if that
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh, it makes total sense. Yeah. I've had a couple experiences myself, and it's at the point my thoughts are always like, oh man, you know, like to yourself, like, yeah. is this really happening? And um, yeah, it's a re- it for me, it was always like a resignation into, all right. This is, I, there's what could happen here. It looks like this is what's going to happen.
1: Kind of what I remember is like, and you know, you got to remember I'm like six or seven. Kind of like, you know, it's like I, I, like jumped off that last little bit of energy I had. And I I thought my hand broke the water. I'm like, you know, but I know, but my head didn't get above.
3: Yeah.
1: And I'm just like splashing my hand and then I come back like oh, um,
2: <laughs> when they when they got you back and all that did you have pain like were your lungs sore or anything
1: i don't really remember you know i just
3: uh i just kind of remember coughing a lot, sitting a lot and you know i'm just kind of like like mom <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say anything but i just uh you know just
1: i like i couldn't believe my mom couldn't you couldn't hear me like because I thought I like yelled at you much
2: yeah yeah that's classic are you an only child
1: no I've got a younger brother and a younger sister
2: okay and so, so with hey synchronicity <laughs> <laughs> that's our synchronicity bell. did you did you um dream about that experience afterwards
3: uh, yeah, actually, I mean, I don't remember anything,
1: nothing in recent memory, but I have, you know, like, like right now, I'm just talking to you, I I know exactly what that motel pool and it, you know, the manager's office or, you know, the office where the person that checks you in, and uh, I remember exactly what the pool chairs look like. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I have had some actual dreams, but I, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, when I was a yeah, and several, but I think that they were, uh, I think they were definitely before adulthood.
2: Yeah. Do you, did you have a fear of swimming after that at any point?
3: No, not really. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh. I learned to swim,
1: you know, uh, I guess several years later. My my uncle, he actually uh, picked me up and threw me into the 10-foot water and said, you can swim, and then I just finally, like, started talking. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's old school. That's how I learned.
3: <laughs>
2: I think we were at the Ozarks, and I uh, – <laughs> I think my mom threw me right over without any vest or anything, and it was like <laughs> it was just
1: I'm doing this. And then I, I'm doing yes,
2: it. <laughs> you're gonna swim or you're gonna sink. And I don't know if you've been to the Ozarks, but it's not like the clearest water, so, so I don't know. And then what's so scary in the Ozarks too is all the times I've been, you know, there, and we say go. All the time every year, and uh we skied a lot, and I was the best skier because I don't like being in water and uh I, I so i you couldn't shake me then no matter what you got slalom, I was the best skier I was so good at skiing, and they couldn't shake me everywhere we had a speedboat, all that, and the whole reason I was good is because I didn't want to go down. I was so afraid of water, and they made me ski you know our my family's kind of sporty like that. And, uh, but I remember being, you know, on the side of the water, like after in the mornings when the fishing people would bring in and I saw some crazy, how about cryptids? I've seen some of the craziest fish come out of the Ozarks that I have ever seen. There was this one thing that came out, I don't remember. And these were just like two good old boys fishing and they pulled this this big gigantic I mean they were these guys were drunk but they <laughs> you know and smoking and and but they pulled out this huge thing and nobody these are old timers and nobody knew what it was and it was the craziest looking thing I've ever seen it almost looked like it had the human head it looked like a catfish human hybrid that's what it looked like of course they ate it you know the <laughs> They were like, by God, they're going to eat it. They caught it. And uh, But everyone, it brought in a whole bunch of people that got photographed and everything. Nobody could figure out what it was. And that only furthered my fear of the water because there are things down there that we don't know about. And I just, I have this deep feeling about that. So it just made that whole thing worse for me, that whole cryptid thing. But I'll never forget the old-timers saying, you know, this is this is the damnedest thing. And they're all just like, you know, what is this? We don't, You know, it was this whole to-do. And I think still, I wish I could remember where in the Ozarks this is, but the picture made it into the local paper there, and it also made it into the little local diner on the, on the wall, you know, cause they, you know, these are local people and with old time families that go back there and you go into those diners and there's pictures of big fish that they pull out and weird stuff. And so it was just one of those that was on the wall every year we would go back. Uh, but on that note, in your dreams, do you, so this in, in, in specific, do you have, does water play a part in some of your dreams like deep water with strange creatures?
1: Yeah, I can't really say that um that I've had any uh deep water dreams really. Um yeah, usually it's more more like mountain streams or you know, occasionally like a lake or something, but um I yeah, I've not really had the Deep water kind of dreams,
2: yeah. None of the creepy
3: crawlies and stuff. Yeah,
1: or nothing I can remember. I mean, you know, you only remember what twenty percent of your dreams, or or whatever. But uh, oh, yeah.
2: some people don't even remember that much. It's a, they come and go.
1: About a quarter, eh, yeah, maybe more than that. You know, as far as what I remember, I, I don't really remember anything like that.
3: Have you, so, and you don't have
2: any issues with water?
1: No, I mean, you know, kind of like you, I mean, like, um, I know even in little creeks, like what in there, you know, so I'm not, (laughs) uh, you know, I was a kid, like before he'd go fishing, we'd go catch minnows and nets and, uh. You know, a lot of times you'd you'd catch snakes and stuff like that. So you know, I'm not like a big fan of earthy water and you know, you like you you know, like you go to the beach and you feel those little fish bumping yes, cause I hate that. <laughs>
2: it's it's so distressing. Yeah hate
1: that
0: this is why i do not swim in
3: non-pools
2: <laughs> i know jerry it's so distressing when things swim
3: up next to you Or oh my god yeah so i mean i
1: don't like that but you know i'm i don't really have you know fear of water you know yeah
2: or, yeah um, yeah it's just for me it's what's in it <laughs> so what or what you know what my mind thinks could be in it and that's a powerful force
1: anything.
3: in the Absol- water.
2: Yes. It, it's, uh, it's interesting, but that still pulls into the whole, and the idea of water anyway. The idea of water and space are interesting because they, tie, they really do tie into the idea of dreaming. There's something that ties those three things together that's similar. And within all of those, especially deep water or murky water, and then deep black space, uh, and then the dreamscape, there are things that lurk and our minds are allowed, our minds naturally go to, well, what could possibly be there? Because it's, it's none of it's really heavily explored in a way that feels like we have a good grasp on any of it for real. So it's open. It's just open territory psychologically. But I wanted to ask you about deja vu. Do you experience deja vu?
3: I, yeah,
1: there's been, there's been times in my life where I can't really think of a specific example right now, but I mean, I've actually,
3: I can remember about 15 years ago, but I can't remember the exact situation, but I'm like,
1: I actually like stopped and did a double take and kind of like you know kind of like ask myself if i'm dreaming or something like where like this has happened before yeah i mean i have i've experienced that you know several times i just can't
3: think of the uh, specific examples right now i have um i have dealt with that a couple times, more than a couple I find them so
2: fascinating and I, for me lately they're off the hook they're so, they're happening so much and I just saw today somewhere on Twitter someone posted uh, I don't know who and all that but somebody posted like they're having so many right now that you know they're questioning everything because I can't I don't even remember the gist of it other than they're having so many and the idea of Is this good or bad, you know? Uh, And it's been amping up for me since this lockdown. It had been starting to amp up before the lockdown, but I was getting these, what I call, downloads through different means. And uh, and then this lockdown, and now I'm continually having more deja vus in each day Where it feels like they're leading somewhere, and I'm fascinated by the feeling of déjà vu, because it takes you, it comes on so interesting, and it takes you out of whatever you're doing. You know, you go, oh wait, what's what is this? It just puts your immediate focus onto now and pinpointing possibly where could it be generated from, and so they're interesting, that's another like little portal or, you know, and there's different theories, you know, in the matrix, it's not a good thing. Uh, But in other, other people say it's a good thing, you're on the right path. And, you know, other, other people say you can push into them and change timelines. And there's just a whole bunch of different thought, I was wondering, and so I didn't get this, I did listen to a couple of your interviews today and yesterday but i cannot recall and i thought i had a lockdown on this and i didn't take notes i usually do uh it seems in my memory that you haven't seen any cryptids personally
3: that is correct i have oh
2: yeah and so that is that i find that so curious because this is a fascination of yours it's led you to writing all these books and uh and it's a, I mean, it's clearly a passion. Why do you think that is having not had any experiences personally?
1: Well, I mean, and that's the thing. And I, I mean, um, I almost, for lack of a better, uh, better phrase, I mean, I almost kind of catch flack for it. Like I'm not authentic enough, you know, because I haven't, uh, <laughs> That's, that's so silly that's didn't bullshit. You know that, right?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what, you know, because um, I remember one interview I did, and I don't know why I torture myself like this, but, you know, after I do an interview, sometimes I'll go through and read the YouTube comments, and I, I really should
2: Don't just, do it. I don't do it either.
1: It's like, oh, God.
0: It's a psychic attack platform. You don't want to do that.
1: I'm just a blunt. Anyways, but some some guys like, you know, that
3: this guy's, you know, seems cool and all, and he's honest,
1: but, you know, he needs to open his third eye and he'll have way more experiences with this stuff. But I'm thinking, you know, it's like if cryptids are flesh and blood animals like you guys think, there's probably not a heck of a lot to see anyway. I mean, let's think about it, right? As many people as are out there hunting Bigfoot, and and there's even more now with all of the television shows and now you know virtually anyone now can produce their own documentary with all of the uh, you know the YouTube and the you know different themes out there and stuff. There's still nothing concrete, and I I don't mean to dismiss any you know any Bigfoot believers out there or anything. I mean I I believe it's more likely than not exist and might be a flesh and blood animal, but you know, so why would you expect somebody to just, you know, just see? You, you understand what I'm saying? It's like I'm—I mean, I've found what I have found. I have found mountain lion tracks in Virginia, which the uh, Department of Game and Fish says that mountain lions do not exist in Virginia. And I've got photographs of stuff like that, but that's not sexy enough. You know, everybody wants a Bigfoot or a dog man or, or things like that. So, uh. Why have I not had a sighting? I would just say because there's not a heck of a lot of things, uh, a heck of a lot of these things to even see. And we don't even know if they exist. So, you know, if we don't exist, um, I wouldn't see.
2: (laughs) Well, see, that's not my question. Not Why haven't you? But what brings you into the territory, into the field? What fascinates you so that you have a drive? You have a real drive, clearly to want to
3: know more i guess
1: yeah okay i see what you're saying i I think it's just that uh that so many people have these reports and these sightings and and you know uh, i mean you're talking people from every walk of life you're talking from your your people that you wouldn't necessarily believe up to a person that might lose their job if they come forward with a sighting. incredible people you're talking people from every education level, every um, ethnic background, every educational background. Just, just all walks of life are reporting, you know, a, a lot of the same thing, and it just fascinates me. And um, you know, I don't, I don't claim to know what's behind it, and it's not really my. It's not really my goal in life to find a bigfoot or or to find Nessie or anything like that. I just um I just like to bring these tales forward and, you know, kind of kick them around and uh ask you know, what could be behind.
3: It. Yeah,
2: I appreciate that. I do. And I think that it's uh it, I think it actually ground it, it grounds some of it too. Some people become really fanatic, and it's hard, which is fine too. I love I love passion at that level as well. But you know, you you have a real sense of groundedness with your uh, your search here that you're on, and um, and also respect which is nice to see that what i see in the especially in the sasquatch arena is a lot of not respect for whatever these things are and i, I personally had an experience with one didn't believe in them before until i did and um just i've said it a million times it was the scariest thing and i've had a lot of scary experiences in my life I never want to encounter them again. Never, never, never. And I'm glad I got out. So, it's uh, I I like people that come from a respect of this field uh, of these things as a possible life form that's out there, rather than trying to hunt them down and get the hard evidence.
3: Yeah, and that's. Things
1: that um, you know, I don't take real strong stances as the you know, I mean a lot of people like uh like lake monsters, for instance. I mean, I've seen people on Facebook in these knockdown drag out fights, oh, it can't be a plesiosaur because you know, plesiosaurs would have to come to the surface and breathe more and it's gotta be this. And it's got and it's like, you know, guys, we don't even know it this. So why are we you know, like being nasty, fighting about what pre what type of prehistoric creature they could be? So I never really got into all that and like the like the Bigfoot stuff. I'm like, you know, if, if you're one of these people that uh, that think that it's a good idea to actually kill one to prove that it exists, I mean, I think you're a douche. I mean, that's just that's just where I come down on that. It's yeah, absolutely. I mean it's better to, for, to i mean who cares if we prove it exists right i mean at the end of the day and but I, you know also as far as all that goes i'm very open to um you know maybe these things aren't physical you know
3: you're
1: i think probably like your lake monsters and things like that i think uh I've always kind of liked those because I figure that's your biggest chance of it being something flesh and blood. But, you know, as far as like your Bigfoot, your dog, man, I think there—I think you got to put it on the table that, you know, maybe they're not something physical, but maybe, I don't know, maybe.
3: Or,
1: you know, more like a ghost, whatever a ghost is. And, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. I guess what I'm saying, and i don't I don't take a real hard stand
0: have you heard about um Bigfoot sightings where the Bigfoot floats?
1: I've heard all kinds of weird things yeah. i've heard it's like you know just like uh I've heard of a lot of like where people say that they're pixelated, and what they always say is like the movie Predator, how the predator hmm. you know, like pixelated, how it would kind of cloak itself mm-hmm.
3: I've
1: heard of uh I've heard of bigfoot I've heard of like bigfoot floating i've heard of uh, just like a burst of like green light and it disappearing um you know and and i've heard of it like disappearing and the the smell of sulfur Uh, you name it they heard it and then you have heard the people that um you know say that bigfoot gives them messages and (laughs) surely don't know how much of that to believe just like jesus yeah, I mean, you just hear all kinds of things, and you know, you want to be respectful of everything. But, sure. uh, I think that with, you know, the fact that after let's see, what is it? The Patterson Gimlin film is right. what it seven, and that is still the best, the the best photographic or video evidence we have. You know, you're you're over, you know, you're you're that far away from that. And you got tons of people out there and you still don't have anything concrete, maybe something <laughs> not physical should be on the table. Right. Have
3: That's you not-
0: um I've also heard that red heard interviewed people who've discussed uh, like poltergeist like activity mm-hmm. before or after during a sighting, which I yeah. find really interesting.
1: I've heard that too, and I've heard of people that have had sightings, you know. Uh, Like you said, and and this was a big thing like in the, uh, like during Mothman, uh, during that thing uh, in West Virginia back in (laughs) the
0: That wasn't my next question about Mothman, so go
1: ahead. (laughs) Mothman sightings, you know, like all of a sudden after that in their homes, they had poltergeist activity going on, and I've heard that with Bigfoot and other things, and so... You know, of course with me with that uh, that Pentecostal programming back from uh <laughs> back
3: from Demons uh, <laughs> second, third grade, it's like ah, oh, it, you can't rule out demons. <laughs> it's it's true, you can't. It's it's interesting.
2: so for example, with my Sasquatch experience, my companion that I was with and, and the dogs, we, everyone experienced it, but we all experienced it in different ways. So I visually, well, I, it smelled, I mean, it was, the stink was unbelievable. And it was definitely hormonal right back in your, you know, where your jaws clenching that hormonal smell like big animals, gamey animals give off too, where it's, you know, your, your teeth clench almost. I don't know how to describe it. So the stink was palatable. It smelled. I like I said. I've said before. It's. I thought it was like a skunk or someone was growing a patch of weed out there. It was gamey, and yet at the same time, it had a familiar scent to it, like a skunk or skunk weed. And uh, <laughs> however, I visually saw it. I think my dogs visually saw it, but they at least responded to it in ways I've never seen them. They were terrified. Everyone was terrified. It was terrifying, but my companion did not visually see it. He had, he's like the salt of the earth type from Ohio. And like, uh, you know, just, you know, we were, I had no belief in this. I just can't tell you until this experience, but he heard it in his ear a growl like so it was like a, like a psychic connection to it and a scary growl like don't move any further and we went into you know back to back moving backwards so one of us is watching one area the others dogs and trying to back the hell out of where we were very remote in mount hood and uh so it, it was like our story's a little of both a little of possibly interdimensional with that psychic hearing. Right. And then I physic, I saw, I, there were two, one was on either side, but I only saw because there was rustling. So you're separated by this little path, like, you know, like big trail path, like elk and stuff would travel. That was, it wasn't a real path. And uh, it, 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 It was real. I saw it. I mean, I I saw it. I physically saw it and it was not a bear. And it did look like the Patterson example. I had to go back and relook at that footage. And that's basically what I saw. So, but there, uh, but then I found, you know, I had no idea. And then I found out Mount Mount Hood's a hotspot for them. You know, that's a, it's well known. All the people, you know, staying in a, in a, RV for the summer and, you know, asking people at the local cafe, the locals, if, you know, what's this weird owl that I keep hearing, like, oh, you're hearing, the, you're hearing Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm like, no way, that's an owl. And I, nope. And then, you know, like, it was nothing to anyone that was a local there and it was off season. So I, there were a lot of tourists. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so my story is like a combo of physical and non-physical, which is interesting, I think. But when I thought back to the Ozarks fish thing, it reminds me of when I started to be when I got older and I started to see how messed up our waters are, right? And how we can see we see weird things coming out of rivers—two-headed frogs and you know, like. It it could have been a mutation from some chemical plant that was on you know on the edge of the Ozarks, and and there it was, and that that became my go to explanation for because it wasn't like a human's head; it just had a weird head. It, it, you know, its eyes looked more round and humanish, but not human. And this is I'm a little kid, so the memory, like all memories, like all dreams, is hazy. And it's not clear, but, uh, you know, and half the memory is watching the old timers, you know, just wondering what it was and going, isn't ain't that the darndest thing? And, you know, like, (laughs) you know, they're trying to, and they still eat it, you know, and it was, was, they didn't care. And, uh, but I, you know, that's where my head goes first. It's like, okay, so it's some sort of mutation and something like that which would create a very strange, you know, which does, as we know, creates very strange looking things.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's a good place to go first with these kind of sightings. You know, is it a mutation or is it a, you know, misidentification, right? Is it something that, you know, an animal or fish that isn't native to here, but, you know, is common in other places, you know, when when I look at these things, that's kind of like the first place I like to go, but, you know, look at things like that before I try to get too far out there.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good policy in general in life is to like rule. It's that deductive way of thinking, right? So rule out all that obvious stuff. And uh, it's funny with that fish, like it never... You know, we all awed and ooed it then. And then it was just business as usual, you know. And But it wasn't for me. It wasn't getting back in that water. And that trip, I got out of it because of that thing It was huge. It was, like, bigger than me. And, and I'm sure it was part catfish, you know. And I'm a little kid, so, and you know, catfish get big. So, yeah, that said, so with with all this that we've talked about, and everything have your dreams since this lockdown as we move further into this kind of almost surrealistic world we're in that feels very dreamlike have your dreams changed in the last couple weeks last month
3: yeah since uh
1: i guess the lockdown um the lockdown got real for me i mean my wife got spent, i mean i'm essential at the uh, at job that i'm at but um you know the, the way that they looked at it is uh they they took the essentials and like pared them down and and so then you had a, a little group of essentials and i was among that group and i'm not trying to be one of these people on twitter that's like i am essential, you know you know oh lord yeah right <laughs> freaking worse let me just say that uh, now that i got that out uh no so then they they pared down you know like you know to the rest of us and like if you didn't have something that was uh, you know absolutely had to be done like right now they just they just went ahead and sent us home too so that's when it kind of got real for me and that was about a week and a half ago you know my wife they had already told her to go home uh, she worked school system up here they told her to go home till april um april 10th i guess and then uh, you know it doesn't look like she's going to go back now but anyway that's when things really got real for me is when you know i I guess things don't really get real for you until you are fully affected i guess and um and then so since i've been home you know with with that going on every night Every single night, I just, um, no matter how tired I am, I don't, I, you know, I wake up like ten times during the night. I've, uh, I've had nightmares every night, you know, since, since you know my lockdown. I guess you could call it. I've, I've had nightmares, um, you know, like so bad that I've had to like, you know, like get up, walk around, you know, just like, get out of it, man, you know. All right, you know, like where I didn't want to go back to sleep because I'm just having, yeah, like just nightmares all night, it, you know, just stuff like that. And it's it's really just been bad. I mean, I've, you know, even though I'm like home all day and, you know, I'm not really doing all that much and I shouldn't be that tired. I'm I'm like tired all the time because I'm not sleeping well. I guess you know that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Same here. I am. I'm exhausted. I'm not getting really great sleep at all, and it's. I'm not having nightmares. I'm actually having amazing dreams when I'm having them, but they're alarming dreams at the same time. So the dreams feel good, but the dreams are like post almost like post-death you know so they're they're great dreams because I'm like oh my god I've missed you you know like people I've known from the past and and environments I really love and they've been amazing dreams in and of themselves I'm happy to be having them and at the same time there's this angst about it afterward after I afterwards and i i can't sleep so i'm getting very little sleep let me put it that way and it's just interesting i keep hearing more people say this and there's a lot of people talking about past loved ones coming and animals a lot of animals coming back in dreams so do you have any images like when you're talking nightmares what Give us an example of some of the stuff you're seeing in dreams.
1: I've been having a lot of claustrophobic dreams. And I'm not somebody that's uh, like real claustrophobic to begin with. You know, I mean, I love uh, going in caves, things like that. But, um, you know, I've been having dreams where, like I had one dream, and this is one like where I had to get up and walk around. And this was, hey, this wasn't last night. It was, the, I don't even what. Wednesdays, Wednesdays, know,
3: nobody was
1: <laughs> Monday night, which was two days ago for those that don't know what is anyway. Like I was actually, um, like rappelling, uh, down into a cave, you know, what, you know, which I've done before and, and that's fun and that's awesome. But this cave as I'm rappelling down just like got tighter and tighter and tighter. And then like my whole body like kind of front like this and it's like I I I, it's like I was getting stuck in it and like like about uh you know three quarters of the way down like I I realized that oh my god I'm I'm not I, I can't go down anymore and and you know I can't get up and I'm just stuck and then I just like uh started breathing real heavy. I woke up and my damn pillow was soaking wet and my shirt was soaked. I, I, mean, I had to, it was gross. I had to change my shirt. I had to put a new t-shirt on. I had to flip my pillow over. It was just disgusting. But, but that was, that's one example. And I, I had another dream like, um, and and this was like another cave dream. I don't know why I'm dreaming about caves, but whatever. Um, Like, I was like crawling, you know, like, uh, you know, like going into a cave, like where you got to like, you know, sometimes you, the entrance is narrow a little bit and you got to crawl through and then it opens up and, and I'm crawling through and it, and it just got real tight and like, uh, it's kind of one of those deals like where, you know, like halfway through, I couldn't go any further, but I was kind of like stuck and I was, you know, like trying to get back and I, I couldn't go forward or back.
2: this this is extremely uh significant for me I, mean, I did a whole video called uh dream hole and because of this cave thing i'm blown away by that by the way it's another validation for that that's just a side note and for anyone that follows my psychic uh my psychic stuff which i put out through music videos my psychic predictions and uh but the the sweats Denver, I have had several nights where I'm just in a wet sweat. My hair is sopping wet. The pillow—it is gross. It, everything is completely wet, and I'm not—I'm not like that. And it's been very perplexing.
1: it's just like that's like, man, I hope my wife don't wake up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's intriguing, Jerry. I see you've got something to add here.
0: Yeah, from like ten minutes ago. you were talking about sleep sleeping lately i what i've noticed is it's hard to have it's hard to get contiguous sleep like lay down and go to sleep for eight hours like i can't do that lately maybe two or three at a time up for a couple hours back to sleep i've had a real difficult time staying asleep is that what you guys have
3: yes
2: yes yes
3: absolutely and it's terrible
0: yeah it does suck
1: and blows at the same time.
3: <laughs> Denver, you
2: look like you're going to add on to that.
1: No, it's just exactly what he said. It's like like 2 hours max. Just, yeah, and that's whether I'm really dream of of course I'm having bad dreams every night, but you know, like I might wake up uh,
3: after a couple hours, you know, whether I'm dreaming or not and just just wake up. Uh, it okay. It's three o'clock now. It was one o'clock uh, earlier. <laughs> you
1: know, kind of like,
2: yeah, it's weird, and, and that leads to my next question for you about you. Kind of, you meant you you let us into it with telling us what day it was. It is. <laughs> What's your experience of time through all this now?
1: Uh, What do you mean, like my dreams, or in
2: well, just in general, like just the idea of time now, because it feels very askewed since we're not on our general wheel, right?
3: Yeah, no, I I
1: like. uh, I remember. Yeah, it's like Jerry texted me, uh, or or or, uh, Twitter messaged me tonight. It's like, hey man, did you uh, get the links for the show that I emailed? I'm like, oh dude, I'm sorry, I. Haven't even checked my email, you know, because usually, you know, used to be I would check my email, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, and you know, now I, I don't know what day it is. It, it doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter what time it is, you know. And I'm just, it's it's just really weird. I'm, I mean, I hate it. I mean, you know, as much as you know, like we bitch about our jobs and things like that. Just having some sort of normalcy and routine is, um. At least for me, it's kind of important, you know, just 'cause uh I like i am kind of organized in my life, and it's just been uh been really kind of hard for me for everything to be so unstructured so uh yeah, it's Wednesday, but uh it's like time is going slow, very slow, but at the same time, it's like the days just fly by, but the weeks go so slow, it's like. It's like so when, when when they sent me home was like a week and a half ago. That seems like three months ago, but today's it's like like, oh my god, it's ten o'clock already? I've not done anything yet this morning. Know, right.
0: <laughs> it's it's almost like um without the distraction of work. <laughs> you have to you have to like deal with reality. It's weird, man. Yeah, it is.
1: It's like you know, I can like, uh, you know, like I might get so like for my normal job, I'll get up at four thirty in the morning. I hate that. That sucks. That's the worst thing in the world. So now you know, I'm sleeping at like seven thirty, but I don't really get going to like ten. You know, because I don't really, I don't really have to. You know, and it's just I don't know. That it's weird. That's all I know to say is weird.
2: How is it affecting your wife? Is she having these experiences with the time and the weirdness too?
1: She's the same way. And it's like one, one day we'll both be in pretty good moods. And I I was telling Jerry, uh, like before the show, it's like, so it's been like past few days, it's been like 40 degrees and cloudy, but like last week it was in the seventies and sunny. Those days were much better than these. It, It would be much better to go through this if the weather did, uh, like, uh these cloudy gloomy days it's just like you know we for both of us it's just like well you know like one day you'll be in a pretty good mood and be be like okay everything's gonna be all right and then the next day it's like oh i don't know if anything's ever gonna be okay again you know and it's just kind of it's just been kind of like that for both of us
2: It's a, it's definitely interesting. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of studies for when people like go into retirement and they have this, uh, there's a depression people go into because they had, pardon me, they had, had, they had cycles They were, you know, they had schedules and cycles and it just moved everything along. It kept everything structured and, you know, ta-da, ta-da. And then all of a sudden you don't have them and there's this whole, it's almost like a little death. Where it's this whole process of of emotional an emotional roller coaster of trying to process and really what you're doing is deconstructing and 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 slowing down and unwinding into your now and uh, but it's got a a whole array of emotional shades to it and one of the things that I think I find is a possibility for power in this is that when you get to the end of when you normalize it enough where you can find where you can find the grace in the moment where you can find and you know i mean that in a larger sense and not in a in a in a religious sense where you can find the the light of it uh then you can go into deeper states of consciousness and really start opening up with ideas of what are you really here doing what what where is what's important what's the most important thing to you and all that stuff starts to unfold but a lot of people don't make it there a lot of people get stuck and they get drowned up in in you know alcohol or whatever to cope because it's very difficult to
3: unwind and doing a lot of day drinking (laughs) (laughs) yes
2: (laughs) and you know that's a transition that could be a transition it just depends on how long we're looking at this and and honestly what's the real story and what's really unfolding and that's part of i think the angst that so many of us are feeling. I think we all feel like we're being hoodwinked here in some way because really, it, seriously, what are the numbers in our whole world's lockdown? Are you? A, lot of, a lot of questions here, right, Denver?
3: That, that was my whole, I don't
1: mean to sound insensitive, you know, and what really makes me mad is on social media, people shaming people for, oh, you're selfish for going
3: out. Like, well, wait mm-hmm. a minute. sick people not for help number one (laughs) number two is like you know um
1: how dare you shame people for you know not cowering in their house in fear you know that's kind of how I mean I'm real I'm very kind of libertarian like that like uh, I I feel like um if we're gonna make a mistake it shouldn't be that we should overreact and crash the economy if we're gonna make it should be more on the side of, you know, not imposing draconian measures. So it's just uh, I've, absolutely. I've been going through a lot of anger with this, and 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 when you see people that you know, and you, even people that you love, like on Facebook, and like they need to arrest people who won't stay home. It's like, okay, oh my, great! They're letting nonviolent criminals out of jail.
3: You know. <laughs> first place that's a whole other topic but yeah you but you want to put you know law-abiding
1: citizens in jail who don't want to cower in their home so i don't know I, a lot of this for me has just been a lot of anger because i you know like i said i i like like my mom she's high risk um you know she's got copd so you know you know my dad uh he went through his last round of chemo. well Couple months ago, he's high risk. They should absolutely be home. I don't want anything to happen to them. I love them. I I love all the elderly people out there that are at risk. But it's just, uh, I can can you really justify crashing the economy because we're afraid that they might get sick? I mean, think about that. I mean, think about you know, think about what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I mean, people just have no idea what what. Could be in store for the economy i mean you you can't just print six trillion dollars
3: and everything
0: no they have to print another six million six trillion Maybe i just that. i just read an article today that they're talking about a potential of a hundred and ten thousand restaurants closing permanently because of this.
1: they have i mean think about it mcdonald's it's can, a crime i mean oh go ahead i'm sorry
2: oh carry on denver i was just adding to that's terrible
1: I was gonna say, you know, like McDonald's can ride this out, Walmart can ride this out, but you know what? Me and my wife are talking about. We know small business owners in the community, you know, uh, you know restaurant owners, and I mean, there's people, and, and even you know, like like the McDonald's, like we said, they can ride it out. But what about a, a, a local person that just bought a franchise? You know, they, they just you know, uh, cashed out their 401. They're you know everything they got for their life's sake took a mortgage out on their house to start a restaurant, and then they're just shut down because uh you know the stroke of a pen from 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 one of these uh, governors that is um you know and and what you're seeing is these governors are are you know trying to one up each other with who can be the most strict like in Virginia Northam just uh you know he's like oh we're gonna be closed down to June 10th and that's just because the guy up in Maryland said that they're gonna be closed down till. When
3: now, it's just getting ridiculous,
1: but I digress. Yeah,
0: something's got to give. It's, <laughs> something's going to give, i will put it that way.
3: I think
2: one of the most ridiculous things that I keep hearing is that the whole world is on lockdown to get Trump out of office. I'm sorry. That is, that is I mean, I just can't, I can't buy that at all. The whole world went on lockdown to get Trump out? That's, I mean, yeah, there's been crazy Trump, you know, the Democrats here and um, that want him out clear and they, it's been from day one and all that craziness, but I just don't buy that. And, and uh, it's hard to buy any of these narratives. And then you start thinking like, well, what is the, You know, I mean, my mind goes to, okay, so they're fine. This is the reset, right? So we're going to go to whatever. It is. But then you know, why are they going to bunkers? What are, the continuity of of government that just got put out and other governments are locking down their dignitaries. And that doesn't seem
3: appropos- financial. Appropos- for yeah, a virus. I mean
2: yeah, not at all. This seems like there's something more going on and like bigger. an asteroid. Mhm. Exactly. Which they just, said, you know, that's now all of a sudden on the table, and uh, and then that thing that hit. Where did it hit, Jerry? And like, and now they're saying, well, it didn't. It was one thing, but it was another. Is it in Africa or somewhere? This huge one that just. Oh, hit. I,
0: I don't know. I was going to say the 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 earthquake activity around the Yellowstone caldera is picking up too.
2: Right over by me, Idaho had like a 6.7 earthquake. That is incredible, incredible. I mean, that made me nervous. And what's ironic is the day before, I'm thinking, I'm looking at, I have a lot of uh, my valuables. So whatever your valuables are, things that are valuable to me that I feel like a caretaker to, And mine just happened to be a lot of antiques. I kept thinking, I feel like I should put down on the floor Things that I don't want to see in case there's an earthquake, right? Like thinking logically like that. So I don't want, you know, I don't want these things. I love to fall off tables and break. And so that mind was that. And I live in an area where earthquakes are talked about. It's not uncommon. This the Cascadia Subduction Zone. Where so it's that's how we live. It's like California with theirs. Uh, it, it's awareness here. And, uh, and so, but I had just had that thought, that thought was creeping through my head. And then Idaho, the weirdest spot to have a very large earthquake ha- happens and people here in my area felt as too early. I was sleeping because I sleep into like two now. And, <laughs> Because I don't get to bed until like seven. And uh, and so I have that thought. There's a major earthquake in a weird place. And all around me, there's a bunch of earthquakes. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to put some stuff on the floors and under tables just in case. Because everything is unhinged. And maybe whatever's coming in the sky is really coming. You know, I don't know. And and see, for me, and I think for a lot of people, Denver, everything's on the table right now because this is so absurd. And one of the things that is making it absurd is the fact that the reaction all these governments are having towards something that doesn't seem to be producing the numbers to warrant this
3: behavior.
1: Mm -hmm that's what's, that's, what's been bothering me. And I've, you know, I mean, I've, I've told, you know, people I'm close to, you know, from day one, like, look, something doesn't smell right. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, um, and and again, I I don't want to be that guy that minimizes, um, you know, that minimizes it, you know, there is human suffering and things involved, but I'll I'll just say, and, and this is just for me, I still don't know anyone, that has it i still don't know anyone that knows anyone that has it and you know like like all these hospitals that are supposed to be overflowed it, it it's not not where i live you know it not i i mean it, it certainly isn't uh and that's not to say it couldn't get there so uh, you know don't get me wrong but it's just you know if this were like a virus like in the, the movies when you start bleeding out your eyes and your ass and you die 3 days after you get it I could maybe kind of understand more but for something that's uh you know 98% survival rate and that's and that's what we know because they say you could have it and you don't even know you have it so so we don't know who's already had it so so the numbers are are far lower than what they're reporting and what they're reporting is like you could really be dying of cancer and just have contracted this, and they chalk it up as a COVID nineteen death. So, I mean, the 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 survival rate is probably closer to like ninety nine point six percent. You know, and um, I just don't get it. I, I just I just don't get it. I just don't get crashing the world economy, and um, so I don't know. It's like that part of my brain's like, well. Did they accidentally release the wrong? <laughs> did, did, did Did they accidentally release the wrong one? Into you know the, the they were supposed to release
3: uh-huh. <laughs>
1: the public, and they accidentally did this one. But they gotta you know they gotta keep people scared so that they don't look stupid. Or I, I don't know. I just thought all kinds of things. Who knows? But I I, I will say that something doesn't smell right.
2: Yeah, and this is the thing that we need to do as people is to question really what's going on. And so it, I don't question that there is some sort of bioweapon out there, but it's not, the numbers aren't warranting this kind of behavior. And that's where the questioning's furthering. So why are we having this kind of lockdown? Why are governments going to their plan B of continuity of government? Why did Why did even Trump push this? He's like, giving us carrots. We're going to get the government open by Easter. And now he pushed it out. So it's like to keep people passive enough in this quarantine, which is also keeping people from being outside and looking up, mind you. And uh, to, it's, you know, because if you just say, if, if world leaders say that they know something's coming, whatever it is, something big's coming. Uh, And this could be just, you know, a natural event. It doesn't have to be an unnatural event, something just natural and they see it coming like the movie melancholy uh, uh, from Lars Ventier. It, It doesn't serve the public's interest. If you're a government to let them know ahead of time, because you will just, you will bring in the, mad max scenario if people think that there's something that major coming and uh major enough that people have to governments are going into continuity of government protocol so and that's real that's absolutely real the seed bank in Norway started restocking and all kinds of stuff that's very alarming
0: have you been watching the dark journalist thing on the continuity of government
2: i haven't jerry and i i should Probably pretty interesting stuff. I I probably should do that. It, but this is part of what's keeping me up at night too. It's like, okay, none of this makes sense. And so it's making me, you know, we, at the same time, it feels like we should know and be able to deal with it. But there's so many crazy scenarios that could happen with knowing we're sensible people. And we don't you know, we have a sense of conscience. I'm not gonna go murder my neighbor, you know, that I've had like or or someone I've had a, a a crux with or you know, I'm not a meth head and I'm not running, you know, low on meth or something and I'm gonna have a freak out and now I don't since the world might be having a big catastrophe, I'm just gonna go balls out. You know, like I'm going to do anything I can. I'm not one of those people. I'm a sensible person and I don't panic and I take things as they come. But it, and I could handle if I was told there's a, something that's coming towards us. It looks big and it, you know, there's going to be some damage. You may not make it. I can handle that information. But can can a lot of people that are unstable handle that? So I get the idea of why governments might be very leery to release information like this and tag us along and slowly look at what's happened in where they've slowly gotten people to kind of get some provisions. Right, even though the choices people are making with all the toilet paper and stuff have been hilarious. <laughs> did you
0: did you see, did you see What um, a, a truckload of toilet paper crashed and burned in Texas or yesterday.
2: <laughs> that was a million dollars worth. <laughs> I bet.
0: Talk about <laughs> karma, Jesus.
2: Yeah. So it's like these kinds of things that are sitting with us that are, are are pulling back and looking at this kind of logically where this is not adding up and, and how it's not adding up is
3: not looking good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about the
1: things that, you know, like, all, like I was saying, all these governors are trying to outdo each other, but at the end of the day, they're only going to be able to recoup so much federal money i mean they're they're bankrupt in their state and and everybody's doing it so you know it'd be different if there were only 10 of them doing it But everybody's doing it and you know and like um like all the all of the sports i mean for them to cancel the march madness tournament are you kidding me? all of you know for them to shut down vegas
2: the olympics everything everything
1: but you know they the NBA playoffs i mean all, all NASCAR, of all of it opening day of baseball is 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 not going to happen tomorrow i mean it's really i mean it's, it's like i said something doesn't smell right and again i mean so you know, for a virus that if you get it you're you know unless you got underlying health problems i mean you're probably going to be just fine you know it's really it's really weird i mean i I, like i just don't understand why they're not just telling people you know use social distancing as much as possible and you know if you've got underlying health problems or you're elderly you know stay inside have your groceries delivered that sort of thing the rest of y'all you know, be careful and take your chances. I just can't understand whether or not, whether or not.
2: That would be reasonable.
1: Be reasonable. And they're not being reasonable. And I think that that's the scary thing. And that's why my mind just goes in all these different directions. And it's like, oh, you know, oh my God. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I think, and I honestly Denver, I think that we should be, since it, since it is this absurd and um, now that we've had time to process some of some of the data that just is not there and the counter stories that we're seeing from people pulling up to hospitals with nobody there, no wait lines and all, all these other counter narratives that are going on to what is being pumped at us. Uh, I think we should start to have those, this is not a dream moment, this is really happening moment. But on that, I know we've we've gone on two hours, and I was wondering if you had any questions at all, Jar.
0: Uh, no, you, as you usually do, psychically read the chat and answered everyone's questions.
2: <laughs> okay, great. So. This has been this has been a a great naxmante and different because of the times we're in, um, and so I thank you for being so candid with yes, us, thank Denver. You. Yeah, this was a a pleasant talk. I mean, this was a dark subject, but we're in dark times. But it was nice to get to know you further and, you know, to get some context with your books that you've written and the stuff that you've put forward.
3: I
1: I had a great time. This is uh, unlike any interview I've ever done in a good way.
3: It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed
1: it.
0: Thanks. Did you have anything you wanted to plug?
3: Uh, yeah, actually if um you know if interested I've got a new
1: book coming out. Uh it's called Giant Men of Renown. It's uh going to be published by uh, Adventures Unlimited Press. And um you can uh you can pre-order it right now from Amazon or from directly from the publisher on the Adventures Press Unlimited. I think it'll be out around the July time frame.
0: Great, we're looking forward to that. <clears throat> be a good book. Love those giant topics.
1: It, it, it should be a lot of fun if you're if you're into that thing. I'll be uh, delving into a lot of um, you know a lot of the myths and then you know some of the uh, supposed historical counters, large statues.
0: Is that the politically correct word for giant now? Large stature <laughs> yeah, people. Right.
3: Large
2: stature. Is <laughs> there's <laughs> a politically correct term for like rock trolls in I in I in um, Iceland? What about baby hill giants? <laughs>
3: right. <clears throat> anyway,
2: but you know, hopefully one day we can see you or meet you at a Crypticon or something. Yeah, if absolutely.
3: The end.
0: <laughs> if they ever happen again.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, great. Well, thanks so much, Denver. Thank you, Nish. It was a great show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Next week, we have an obelisk, and I'm, there's one of two guests, so I'm not going to say who it is. I'm not sure yet. But we've got someone lined up. Oh, the mystery. Mystery because that one first person hasn't returned my email yet, so. It'll be it'll be a good show, I promise. We always have good the
2: shows. The show must go on, and it Indeed. will.
0: Indeed. So, thanks, everyone. <laughs> Stay safe, stay home, question authority.
2: (laughs) Yes, question reality.
0: Question reality. And be safe during this matrix breakdown. Have a good night.
2: Yeah, big love to everyone. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye.